First of all, I think I'm going to end up probably giving this a little bit longer than I anticipated because my wife is going to back to teaching first to the high school girls. So I'd probably end up giving this class closer to till February, which is, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I'm, I know I cannot replace my wife. I, I, I fully admit that, but I'm going to try my best. Um, but it's a good opportunity for a different angle. You know, somebody asked me recently, and I mentioned this to the men, um, if I had to pick one focus, like what what I would say for the shul, what a goal for the shul is, and or, or you know in general what the angle I would want, and, I, and for those who've heard me speak enough, I, I would have to say that my greatest motif, in, in a million different ways, is not to be mediocre. Um, that in life it's very very easy to be mediocre. Um, and, and, and a danger is um, that you get a caught up in a lifestyle and you're satisfied, which means I became an Orthodox Jew. So I'm done. You know, like, you're Orthodox. It, for example, you can say you became Hasidic, Yeshivish. I learned in Lakewood. I, I, I'm a Chabad, I'm Samer. Um, this kind of Orthodox, I'm done. I, I put on a hat, I wear a shaitol. I, I, and I dress religious, I have a, a, a nice Jewish name, game over. And certainly that's not what life is about. Wherever we are in life, wherever we're holding in life, life, Torah, is supposed to be constantly being a better person. Being better between man and man, being better between man and Hashem. Or in this place, between woman and woman, and between woman and Hashem. Between woman and man, well... Have protected defenses. Yes, um, but being better really means every day in life looking to be a better person. Uh, uh, you know, could somebody just close that door, please? Um, usually, I love to hear the words of Torah, but right. Um, so, and this is a challenge. I'll tell you why it's a challenge because. Usually in life, we're very, very busy. Not only very busy, but there's a certain law of inertia, and that law of inertia makes people just want to stay the way they are. Um, and we all have areas where we want to be better, and we all have areas where, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just leave me alone. Yeah. And, and some, for some people, that area is in... Uh, levels between man and God, and sometimes it levels between man and man. I, I know people who are fantastic. They pray, and they're very, very, very careful on kosher, and they're very, very, very careful on Shabbos, and they're very, 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 very tzniyus, but they're callous to others or uncaring, or they're not giving. And other people are super, super nice, super, super friendly, super, super caring, your best friend, but they dress like not a Jewish lady, and they don't really pray, and they don't really feel God. So everyone has different areas. And ultimately, we're all in this world, all in this world, all in this world to be better people. Not better, you know, every 10 years we improve a little, but to make an effort to be better, if not every day, but certainly every week. That means, and we'll see it's a gradual work in life. But life is... Ultimately, where our life is supposed to be in this world is to be Oiv De Hashem. To be people who work on ourselves. You know, there is, a, as, a, as someone who's fortunate 
to have been around many people who became observant. Many people who became religious. I've been involved in many people who have converted. Um, there's a danger when people feel they plateau. <laughs> you know, uh, I've said this to many per- bar mitzvah boy, many person who got married, many people involved in the conversion. Life has just begun. You haven't, it has begun. This is the beginning. And the beginning means that you're going to work on yourself throughout life. Moshe Rabbeinu, to the day he died, made an effort to be a better person. All great tzaddikim and tzaddikaniyases made an effort to be better people. So this, when you talk about Musr, Musr is about striving to be better. Striving to change. Using our free will to be better people, better Jews. So I want to use Rav Volba. Rav Shlomo Volba was one of the greatest thinkers of the late 20th century. He himself did not grow up observant. He grew up in uh, Switzerland. He ended up marrying uh, a rabbinic dynasty. He married uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky's uh, niece. And his fa- her father was the mashkiach of Slobodka Yeshiva. He became a great student in the Mir Yeshiva. And in the late part of the 20th century in Israel, he was the biggest Balmuser in, in Eretz Israel. Um, he, his, his two classic works are Ali Shor, which are studied in many of the seminaries and yeshivas uh, today. So I'm gonna, well, the way the class is going to go is like this. That, you know, I mentioned this is for committed individuals. Right? If you choose to drop out, I, it's not, uh, it won't be personal, but Ideally, or more than ideally, you know, by 8.05, people should be here if they're going to come. And because this is all about working on oneself. It's not about, you know, it's not just here getting a Torah lecture. And probably, you know, next week, um, for those who are going to be continuing, I'm going to ask people to get a partner for this. Because when you're working on this class, it's not the type of class where you're just going to do by yourself. But you're going to have to have a partner. Because... The point of the class is that somebody is going to work with somebody else uh, to encourage them and to see where they're where they're holding. So, but I will probably read, explain, uh, expound, darsh and elucidate. Uh, you know, questions which are pertinent are welcome. Things which are personal, uh, you know applications, probably better to ask afterwards. Any question that should be something that's for everyone, meaning not just in your life. Um, it should be something that we could all gain from uh, at the table because if it's something that's personal, we lose attention from everybody else. So, you know, I'm going to probably, if I feel the question is not pertinent to everyone, it doesn't mean it's not a very good question. It could be it's a fantastic question. But since we're in a group dynamic over here, we're going to focus on the group dynamic so the only questions we'll really delve into will be things that will uh, uh, speak to most of us. It may not speak to every one of us, but it'll speak to most of us. So the the the, the first goal. And we just you know again we're just leaving the baseline of Torah and mitzvahs. The baseline. The baseline is all of us in this room are people who are aiming for the baseline of Torah mitzvahs. Everyone here is a believer. Everyone here wants to be observant Jews. Great. But when you're going to build yourself as an individual, 
right? To make yourself have an internal world. An internal world. What does it mean to have an internal world? Right? To have desires for good. Internally, it is a difference of a person who, when they're thinking about others, they're thinking of what good can I do to others. When they're thinking about Shabbos, the, the thought process, they're in a world of Shabbos. It's not mechanical. That Shabbos is a reality. Right? That kindness is a reality. That when they're walking on the streets, a, 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 a hecher, a higher person, right, what are they noticing on the street? When they see the sky, when they see trees, right? they're, what they're seeing is a spiritual world. Right? Uh, 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 they're seeing a spiritual world. Right? That It's an internal world. When you think about raising children, what, what do you see in your children? You're seeing that I am raising children of Hashem. Right? It's a spiritual world. Uh, an internal world, it's not what other people say. It's a person's own internal world. That is the beginning of the building of an individual, of a, of a man or a lady. So you have a desire and then it becomes part of, of who you are. Voracious darcho, in the beginning, humavat, you, you, a person gives up on piercing, you don't need, you know, needs to know what you're doing. Are you saying to Hillam? person you're saying to Hillam, fantastic, does anyone here at the table need to know? Well, maybe you're going to inspire them, but there should be a part of us, we're, we're just doing it just us and Hashem. Nobody needs to know, just, this is something I do every night. I say to Hillam, for, you know, be a nice thing, people heard there's a hurricane today, three and a half million Jews are in danger, you know, pretty dangerous to be in a flooding, right? Maybe I would have said to him today, fantastic idea. Instead of just reading Google News or Yahoo News and seeing all the pictures, like, I saw 622 pictures of how the water looks, to open it to him and say, tell him, that could be something a person does. It could be a person say, you know what, there's a lot of the kindness not being done today, I'll do kindness today. But the ideal world would be not to do it where anybody knows. Because why does someone need to know? It's just between me and Hashem. Between me and Hashem. That's an internal world. Um, not to do it for any uh, 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 rounds of approvals, not to do it for anything more, but to think spiritually. And the more that we're spiritually inclined, whether it's in kindness, whether it's in modesty, whether it's in fear of Hashem, whether it's loving Hashem, right, the more ideas we'll have, the more ideas we'll have to do it. I, I was by... Uh, 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 Mrs. Felson's father-in-law's Leviah. I was, happened to have been in New York. And I, I knew the family. I know the family. So, the, the right so I, I remember they said by Zev Wolfson, very charitable person. So one of the Maspidim, and Moshe Shapiro said, he had chidushim, he had novelties in staka, in charity. What did that mean? He had created a world of charity. And when you're creating a world of charity, he had ideas how to increase charity, how to figure out new ways to get other people to give or to help people to maximize giving. Well, if a person's thinking spiritually, right, let's say it's an easy thing for parents or for marriage, right? The beginning of all spirituality, by the way, if everyone at this table, is your marriage. I mean, a house, if you have to pick one area to work on in the spiritual world, marriage is the most crucial because that allows you to, to connect. So if, if you want to... if it, 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 Whatever you're going to do, if you're thinking about marriage, you're thinking about children, or you're a community member, right? And you're thinking about community. The more you're thinking about it, the more you're internally connected to it. The more abilities you'll have to have, good ways to help, right? The more you come to appreciate it internally. Person appreciates prayer, right? And they're living with prayer. So 
It's not just that that internal world allows things to blossom forth. So let's say all of us, I can imagine all of us, I include myself first and foremost, patience. What a, what a beautiful thing to be patient. Right? I mean, how rich, more enriched our life would be the more patient we are. I want to work on patience. I right? want to think about patience. We'll think about being uh, not getting perturbed when things don't go the way we like. Right? Whether we're stuck in traffic, whether we get, we're sick, some person could be seriously sick, whether someone's didn't you know didn't invite them they went to be invited not being perturbed so how are we going to get to the point where we can take things calmly happily patiently so Rebobo then says that you can have an internal world but no one think you can think for, let's say patience you can think from today to a hundred years about being patient or about being a giver and thinking and talking about it it doesn't change you it says for example, all the think great thoughts about doing chesed. Right? We think about being, I'm going to have hundreds of guests. I'm going to have the biggest open house, my house, I'm going to have an open house for people to come for Shabbos lunch, and I'm going to give them the best meals, I'm going to make them comfortable. You know, a good host, you know what a good host does? They don't think about what they like for lunch, they think about what the guests like for lunch. I'm gonna, I know this person's a vegan. I feel bad for them, but they're vegans. <laughs> I, but they're vegan. I'm gonna make sure they have all the food, uh, that they need. And I know this person, you know, likes this person. So when I invite them, I'll try to get this person to come as well. I'm gonna be the best host. But if you don't invite anybody, <laughs> you never get into action. You're not gonna change. Right? So you wanna work on anger. You, th- you can think, I'm not gonna be angry, I'm not gonna be angry. But if you don't take it to concrete, it's not gonna happen. So, for example, you can think all about chesed. Certainly it will help. Making the thought process, thinking about chesed, will start allowing you to put it into your mind. But, if you don't start giving, start doing external deeds, you're not going to affect your internal world enough. Right? So, ultimately, if you want to change ourselves, you need two things. We need to think about it, to talk about it, to, you know, to ponder how personally we're going to work on ourselves. But if you want to actually change, we have to concretize things. Uh, you know, it's not enough to talk about charity or doing chesed. It's not enough to talk about being patient. We have to do exercises in being patient. Hey, the goal of Muslims is to change ourselves. Hey, we can talk about prayer. I mean, the best way to, to work on prayer is by praying. Now, if you have to know how to pray, you have to know how to work on prayer. But if you don't pray... <laughs> Never, your prayer is never going to get better. You don't talk to Hashem, you're not going to get better. I, 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 I keenly remember, I, I was, when I was in law school, I, I, I uh, brought a, a, a boy who had been a counselor in a reform camp and grew up in Pennsylvania. His family's probably getting lots of phone calls for votes right now in the rural Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, maybe or they're running from the hurricane, something of the sort. And you know, grew up completely reformed. So this is unbelievable. He, he had spent one Shabbos with an Orthodox Jew in his whole life. And he, he ended up coming to me numerous times, and he's almost observant now. Uh, I mean, completely changed. I mean, this is several, quite a few years ago. So I remember the first time he comes to me for Shabbos. Like, so he says to me, when are we playing Monopoly? I said, what? So yeah, don't you play? Everyone plays. I once once someone off Shabbos. Isn't Monopoly part of like Shabbos? So I said, you never you never had Shabbos. 
So the funny thing is, is in the middle of Shabbos, he tells me, so this is all very nice, but I can never do this. So I said to this boy, I said, let me tell you something. If you would come here three weeks straight, come three weeks straight, keep Shabbos three straight weeks, you keep Shabbos your whole life. You have a shot to keep Shabbos. You'd see that you can do it. Come three straight weeks. and do it, by the way. <laughs> so he's still on the slow path. But if the point is, is you can talk about Shabbos. Right? You could want to keep Shabbos. I people tell me I've seen the, you know, I've had meetings recently. I love to keep Shabbos. So come for a few weeks. You'll keep Shabbos completely, you know, from beginning to end. And you'll have to be able to do it. It will become part of you. It will, it will become part of you. But if you're always going to start driving halfway, doing things partially, it's very, very hard to, to really change. So if you talk about something and you don't do it, you don't come to do it, you're not going to change yourself. Right? If you want to be the patient person, it's not enough to just want to be patient. It's not enough to just talk about being patient. you got to do exercises which are going to increase patience. Right? To change oneself, right, it has to be through the external world. Even though we want to blossom the internal world, which is the crucial world, our feelings, our thought process, but the external world is what allows us to change. For example, the Rambam, Maimonides, says the following. If you have a hundred dollars, okay, you have a hundred dollars, and you want to give it to charity, everything being equal, is it better to give a hundred dollars at once, or a dollar for a hundred straight days? Now, there are times when spending $100 at once, the post can explain, because you can make the major impact. Right? And, like, if you ever want to build something, you can't give, you can't get dollars, you need, you need impact. So, there's, if there's an importance of giving majorly, because that, your impact is greater. However, at some level, you're always going to be giving consistently. Because the says like this, if you give a, a hundred times a dollar a day, you became a giver. Right, the act of giving, even though it's the same dollar amount, right, the act of giving consistently changes you. If you want to be a person, for example, who is hospitable, you're not hospitable right now. Some people it's natural, some people have better living quarters, so it's easier. But let's say you, you, you could. Right? So you invite a guest for Shabbos once. Well, that's not going to change you. If you do it 30 straight weeks, that would change you. Right? That will change you. Now again, we're going to discuss now how you do this. It doesn't mean that you go full force in anything. But if you want to become a person who's more inclined in a certain way, it can't just be in the world of talk, in the world of thoughts. There are people who think about things all the time. A person told me recently, I would love to become. And I believe the person. I would love to become. Who doesn't want to become? Do you know any of these things would change our lives for the better? Well, if you would love to become, then you got to work on it. It can't just be you would love to be calm. It can't just be that you even read you know, self-help books. We live in the world of self-help books today. People love self-help. And they're, they're very good. I've read many of them. I've used some of them in my lectures. They're fantastic. But you know what? You can read a thousand self-help books and not change an iota because you're just reading about it and not doing it. Right? More important, ultimately, in change than reading is actually application. Okay? And that's what this is going to be about. How we take... What's here to make a real, real? You know, Avram Avinu, last week's parsha, Chazal tells us that Avraham recognized at age God at age three. He only became observant at age forty-eight. It recognized God at age three, became uh, observant forty-eight. So the, the Bali Musa asked, well, "What took him so long?" 
So to get from here to the world of these could take a long time. Okay? So, if that, so Revola now talks about when you're working on yourself, when you're going to work on these, now we'll see that you can't work everything at once. It doesn't work for anybody. But he is a, a muscle. You know, there's, a, there's an ancient Greek, uh, in the, in, not only in Greece, in, in Babylonia, there's, in, they, they used to have this mythology, of, we can call it that, about a boat going between the two cliffs to the straits. And on both sides, sometimes there's mermaids in this mythology. Uh, well, that's when the boat crashes, right? Because they, 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 they take the attention, they hypnotize them. But there's this, this image of a boat going to, between two cliffs. Right? Between these two cliffs, you need, a, you need a great captain to maneuver the boat between these two cliffs. So Rebola says, when you're learning Musr and you're working on yourself, right? self-growth is a little bit like that. There's dangers on both sides. There's a danger. What's danger number one? Danger number one is rebellion. Re- rebellion. Which means as follows, there's a natural instinct in people. Uh, you know, the liberals are great at, at screaming personal autonomy. Personal autonomy. What does personal autonomy mean? Don't tell me to do with my, with my body, myself. It happens to be personal autonomy. It applies to God as well for many people. <laughs> right? Who, I, don't, I don't want to come to wake up early for davening. Right? I remember somebody told me once, I was talking about, like, I once saw even a sociological study. This is unbelievable. So this sociologist said, he's talking about Orthodox Jews versus secular Jews. Here's typically the way that sociologists, sociologists differentiate between Orthodox and Orthodox Jews is Shabbos. If you keep Shabbos, you're Orthodox. And if you don't keep Shabbos, you're not. So I, I, if he said, I would think it's not true. I think the best this difference is Taras Meshbach, family purity. He says, you know why? You know why? Because for a non-Orthodox Jew, they can't imagine in a million years that anyone's going to tell them what to do in the bedroom. I mean, in a million... I mean, like, this area of life? Get out of my... No way! You know, the laws of privacy, you know, this constitution, you know, you know what privacy, for those who didn't go to law school, you know what all the privacy laws are? It's like, this is... My, this is no, there's nothing more private than that. No one's telling me what to do. And for an Orthodox Jew who looks to God in the, in the holiest of holiest of areas, like how could God not tell me uh, at all? Right? A person who has a connection, like, how could there not be anything there? Right? So if you look at the, the, the Weltanschauung on, on, on the world view between an observant Jew, that should be the greatest difference. Right? So, but there's a, there's a natural, even for Orthodox, observant, traditional Jews, at any level, there's a certain amount to feel like Adkan. You know, I can see, I know when I'm discussing people, I can like, feel vibes like, oh no, why is he telling me this? Like, like, what does he want from me? Like, I'm only, don't shoot their messenger. You know, like, I'm just, I'm not making anything up. Right? But there's a, what's the feeling? What's the feeling? The feeling is, this is my life. And that feeling is, not only it could be felt, you know, that vibe is not only against a rabbi, rabbitson, a it's even Hashem. Right? It's like, what does Hashem one for me at this level. I don't want to do this. I can't, I cannot do this. This is just beyond me, not for me. And I hear this all the time from observant Jews. Not, just, not, not, not always is it articulated that way. It's not said that. No one says that. But the, the subconscious message is that. It's like, this is just not for me. 
It's just like, I, 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 no way. I cannot do that. There's a certain feeling of when you push yourself too much, it becomes counterproductive because you collapse completely. Right? Let's go back. You do chesed, chesed. Someone, I had a conversation with someone not that long ago, but a little bit long. You know, not, not that recently. So they're doing chesed, 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 doing really good, then they burnt out. I can't do, like, now I do nothing. Right? Nothing. I, I, I met people, a guy tells me, you know, this is a person who tried to become observant too quickly. Not from here. Um, you know, started doing observance. It was too much. Gave it all up. Where is that coming from? It's, there's a feeling of rebellion. It means, I can't do this. It's just not for me. I, you know, I, uh, I, just, I can't tell this story. But it, there was a, <laughs> a similar story. I, I was speaking to somebody like, like about you know treating somebody correctly, and it, it's not it's not even that they they didn't even want to do it because it's not for me. He's like, I, this is not for me. Now, when they were saying it's not for me, they, they, they didn't want to get near it about being kind to another person. Happen to be the person's spouse. But they didn't want to be near it in a certain way because I'll only be this kind. I'll only do, 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 do this much. There's a certain feeling of rebellion. So if your person's pushing, let me give you an example. If I see a person come to the shul, right, they're not observant. All of a sudden, within two weeks, their Shabbos kosher, right, the, the, the lady who came with a tank top and, and a mini skirt is now wearing a long skirt and a shade. I mean, I, I, something's wrong here. You know why? Because she, she's either unstable or she's going to explode. I mean, it doesn't happen that way. Right? I mean, it just doesn't. You know no, why? What? No, it, it happens when a person is when a person is comfortable. Like, you know, if a person does that, gets it over a year or two, I think that's fantastic. But if a person does it in such a quick manner, right? The problem is that one day they're going to wake up and say, what did I do to myself? I can't believe this. Like, ah! Right? So, if a person takes on too much, let me, someone says, they want to daven shachos min chalmar. Okay? A lady. She's not davening anything. Starts davening shachos min chalmar. How beautiful. In mariv. Not even obligated. Shachos min chalmar. So, what could happen so her schedule in the beginning it's great in this but her schedule gets tight the kids get this so this, this happens and like it becomes a burden it becomes a burden I can tell you honestly I think I have a few stringencies I don't think anything is a burden it's a joy there are things I could know if I did it would be a burden I can tell you I don't you know it's, but, but what I do in life it's a joy. I don't do anything to me. It's a burden. Now, there are things when I start out, they're a stretch. But it's not a burden. If somebody's living Judaism as a burden, you're taking things on and become a burden, that means something was misapplied. Right? It should be a joy. So the problem when it comes to burden is that you'll rebel against it completely. There's a danger. That's the first cliff. So he says like this, or Vessler, or Vobo, Mi'ata navin, ma'ashe'ineinu ro'in kalapamim. Right. You see people, they start working on themselves. Good people, people working. How? What better thing in life could there be than a Jew living, ap- applying, becoming better? Whether it's 
again, interpersonal relationships, whether it's um, whether it's between um, their prayer, whether it's on Shabbos. Hey, we can all work on Shabbos. Each one of us here at the table can work on Shabbos. To keep Shabbos holier, happier, right? To, to, to live Shabbos. Right? Shabbos should be Shemena Morris as a week. So how are we going to improve our Shabbos? Whatever it may be. So we don't work on ourselves. You see people working on themselves. They come, you come in precious people. A person who works on themselves, who breaks the law of inertia, who doesn't want to be mediocre, doesn't want to fo- follow a script, is striving to be a better individual. So they do it haphazardly and they're not successful. That becomes too much of a burden. Because they take something on in other areas, they become they lose out in other areas, right? The person's dominating three times a day, meanwhile her kids are crying, <laughs> right? She's getting into fights with her, her husband because she's stressed out, right? So there's a loss in other areas. It means they, so it, it may not be, she may, the person may enjoy it. I love dominating three times a day. Meanwhile, the person's life is in shambles, right? You know, the kids are, are, are starving or are, 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 are under, you know, the husband's scared to get next to his wife because she's stressed out. I mean, so, yeah, I, 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 it's not a burden for her, but you know, I, I, everything else became a burden because of that. I mean, everything becomes off kilter. Um, a person says, you know what? I'm not going to do this thing. I, I'm not going to eat cake. I'm not going to indulge in this thing, or I'm not going to partake in this. And what happens is they're not ready for that. And on the contrary, it just increases the desire for that thing. Hey, abstaining then is the exact thing which is leading you to crave it even more. Okay, because you're not ready. I, I remember years ago I was speaking to somebody who was living with in an unobserving lifestyle, a, a young gentleman, and he says to me, um, he can't imagine giving up girls. A college boy. This guy, by the way, today is married. With like six or seven kids in a very religious neighborhood in the United States of America, and he's a very religious individual, and he can never imagine ever getting near that lifestyle that which he was. I mean, never. Um, by the time, like, if he would have removed from it immediately, he would have like boomeranged the other way because he wasn't ready for it. So, abstaining at that point, going cold turkey, is it? Would have only increases desires and not minimizes desires because it's cold turkey. So not, right, as, as a general rule. Uh, so a person gives an example. A person takes a tiny steeper. Does anyone know what a tiny steeper is? Tiny steeper is what great righteous people do. It means they abstain from speaking anything but Torah for a period of time. There are big tzaddikim, tzaddikim, really righteous people, men and women, who who did it, who've done this. Okay, they don't. Speak only Torah. Now, you have to know you're getting a situation if this is applicable. I can only imagine, like, you know, my wife doing with my kids, you know, doing my homework. You know, what's, you know, <laughs> what would really be applicable? So you have to know your station of life. People who did do this were people who were, you know, who's, were able to do it. They were, you know, to be able to do it. Sometimes people do it for even an hour or two hours a day. Don't do it a whole day. Don't do it for a whole week. I know a person who used to do it from elbow through Yom Kippur. I don't know. I would not speak one word besides Torah 
from Elul to Yom Kippur. That's forty days. Forty days. Right? I mean, I mean, that's a long time. Um, so because I got to ask now, and now somebody takes Tanis Dibur, and they feel like they, ha- they haven't spoke for two days, for three, for two days. They're calling everyone on the phone. They're like so happy to speak, and then they're talking to everyone all day long. So. Why do people, why would you not take a time to steep word, by the way? Why do certain righteous people do it? Because they don't want to waste their words, they don't want to waste their time, they want a, a spiritual focus. It's, again, it's a, it's a spiritual exercise for, for very great people. So this person did it, and they'll end up just the opposite. Right? Just the opposite. And after the time to steep word, they go to a lower level because they restrain themselves. Um, so Dustler actually compares this, he quotes Dustler to a spring. If you're on your spring, as long as you're pushing it down, it, it's good. But the minute you, you get up, it's going to come bouncing up. So if you do things too quickly or too haphazardly, the first danger is rebellion. The second danger, the second cliff of when you're working on Musar is gaiva, arrogance. When you're, it's almost a natural thing. If you're doing something and other people are not, that you feel better. That you feel better. A friend of mine told me that his cousin was in, in a great yeshiva, and in this yeshiva was a real Lithuanian yeshiva, very Lithuanian yeshiva, and they did not let the single boys have beards. Okay, absolutely forbidden. This boy happened to come from a Hasidic background, Hasidic background, so he asked one of the great great Russian yeshivas, um, could he could he grow a beard? So he made an exception for this boy. They can grow a beard, even though this is with Lithuanian Shiva, they don't want it. But he told them one thing. On condition, with less worry about the boy growing the beard, but he said, on condition, that you don't think you're better than the boys who don't have it. You know why? Because if you're doing something and somebody else is not, there's a natural feeling that I'm better. But I, 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 I do the chesed. I say to him, I, you know, I am patient. Right? How about this? Three people at a table. Three people here know this. One person's patient. One person's a nervous wreck, you know, and one person's half stressed. Right? It's, you know, you're looking at yourself, I'm calm. You may not articulate it, you may not express it, but you feel like, I'm better. I'm, <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to say it, you know, you mean, you know, give a little beat, right? I, 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 there's a feeling, especially when you're working in something, when, you, when you're looking for, for the feeling that you're doing good things. When you, when you, you know, I can't tell you, you know, you hear people like, I do this, why can't this person do this? Or, I'm the person who, who is the giving person. I'm the king. I keep Shabbos, and this one does not. Right? You feel accomplished. And that accomplishment can lead you to feel that I'm better than person number two. There's a danger that a person's working on themselves, right? making efforts, that that working on oneself could actually lead to arrogance. So Revolva says that these are the two peaks, the two cliffs that you go between in life when, you, when you're growing. So here we're actually making the effort, right? But like any person, you know, is a co- you have to know cost-benefit analysis and how to apply things in life. Right? Even when you're trying to do great things and you're leaving inertia and you're leaving the world in mediocre. There is a dangers involved, right? The dangers on one side is when you push yourself a little bit, you could end up rebelling and regressing, 
And number two is you could become better in certain areas and that betterness, that, that superiority could actually lead to a terrible trait called arrogance. Right? Gaiva. So these, having this in mind, Revolva then continues. And this is where we'll really start to get more in depth. I just, I'll just context. This parak in, we're not going to actually start the, 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 the Midas, which we'll do next week. It's called Maisim Katanim. Small things. Small steps. Small deeds. Now we're coming to the first foundation of service of Hashem. Meaning an Evid Hashem. Being a person who works on themselves. How do we work on ourselves? That it shouldn't boomerang. That it shouldn't pull us down. Right? How do we make the effort that our, our avoida is something that takes us from level to level and not something that we start getting more observant and then less observant. Right? Or more careful and that we can't handle it. Rabbi Sainu Bibes Midrasho, the great leaders who came from the, the school of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, who was the, the founder of the Muslim movement, the leader of my, my little Yisrael is named after Yisrael Salanter. So they taught us the value of Maisim Katanim, of small deeds. Right? Of small deeds, of, of the way that we take the internal world and start concretizing it, and not by going from zero to hundred. But it's like the Ram says, giving a dot. Can you imagine a guy's not giving charity? He says, I want to break, I want to break my stinginess. So the next day he's a thousand dollars, and the second day a thousand dollars. I mean, he's going to have a heart attack. And then, you know, and then the rest of the next five years he's not going to give. You know, I can't believe I gave all that money. I, I literally, I know about a couple people exactly like this. They're still kicking themselves while they gave charity. And one guy in particular, he still tells me, like, I gave this 18 years, I can't believe it. Like, you know, like literally, it, so, you know, it, it, if you had this guy given fifty dollars, fifty dollars, fifty, you'd probably give him ten thousand dollars a shot now because he could. Right? But he went too quickly, too fast, and he regrets it. So how do you do it through mice and katanim, taking small, baby steps consistently, consistently? And it gives a few examples how you see in the liturgy and in the words of our sages exactly the importance. Of the small things. For example, it says in, in Avos, in Ethics of Our Fathers, Have Be careful with the small things, like you are the great things, because you don't know the reward of, of mitzvahs. Ma Rav Tuvcha, how great are is your goodnesses? That's the the reward of mitzvahs kalas, of small, doing the small things. Uh, also it says, v'haya ekev tishmon, im ha-mitzvahs ha-kalas sh'adam dash ba-akevav, tishmon, v'shama Hashem, if you do the small things, then you'll come to hear Hashem. Right? Um, so, Amr Reish Lakish, Reish Lakish was a great third century sage, so he says as follows, my dechsev oven akeva yisabe. You know that 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 if you step on small things, it's going to surround you. That the small things that we take it, we don't take advantage of this world. They're going to be up by at the, the time of judgment. You know why? Because those are the small things we could have built ourselves off. Right? Because we could have used those as stepping stools. 
to become a little bit better. Boilum Zair, in our small world, we find ourselves, we think as far as reward, punishment. Follow Pelahu, right? It's a, it's a, it's an unbelievable thing. We, you know, I, I can tell you again, I, I, I pick, uh, recently observant people, I'll tell you why, because as somebody who came from a yeshiva background, like in the yeshiva world it works a little bit differently. There, the mediocracy is, is the breaking of that shell is a little bit different. It's just a different, uh, because you're in the yeshiva, you feel, ah, oh, I'm doing yeshiva all day, so, and you can just follow the flow, you know, the mid-level of yeshiva, you can follow it, or sem- a girl's seminary. You can say, I'm doing what everyone else does, and you're religious, you're, you can be Haredi, yeshivish, chasidish, whatever you pick what you want, and you just follow the flow, and you're just a mediocre religious Jew. You know, I met plenty of mediocre Chabad people, plenty of mediocre Samar people, plenty of mediocre Lakewood people, and I figure, right? Plenty of mediocre people with true gods, it just, they're doing what everyone else does. It's very easy to do that in Yeshiva. But when you're becoming observant, okay, so everything's fresh. So, the growth pattern's a little bit different, okay? So you're like, you look, it's a, how do you see the world? People see the big things. You know, Shabbos, as, as a big, as a, on a macro level, kosher on a macro level, having a family on a macro level, and this is fantastic because the secular world is bereft of all of these things. Right? It's bereft. It's, 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 it, it, it rings shallow. So for people becoming observant who, you know, they went to Penn and Friday night was getting drunk and doing things of ill repute, like Friday night now becomes a different galaxy. Right? I mean, it's a, it's a different... It, so we look at things on a macro level. So we think, oh, this is great. I look at the world of Torah Mitzvahs, right? and then all the big things. When it comes to the details, small things, on achieving, making Shabbos on every level Shabbos, right? being careful, unconscious, not just having, getting married, you know, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I taught for Asia Torah in Philadelphia. So you meet, um, you know, the, the, the products of liberal society. These attorneys, these ladies, be like literally hedge fund managers, attorneys who went to good schools like University of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and they're successful attorneys. And they're 38, 39 years old. And they are partners in these law firms. And all of a sudden, they, like, they see families, they start going to Shabbos, and, and like, there's like a mad rush to get married. I mean, these ladies who couldn't imagine to get married, let alone starting a family, like, they have like a mad rush to have, get married and a mad rush to have kids. It's like, literally, like, bam! Like, like they realize, like, what am I doing in my life? Like, there's so, many, there's so much more richer that I can be doing for myself. I can be... So what happens, though? The focus is getting married and have kids. How many people after they get married, or after they have kids, literally think, every, not how to deal with crises, right? But we're happily married. How am I going to make my marriage better? Like, how am I going to make my marriage holier? Right, how am I going to make my kids better? Not that many. And if they do, it's when things go wrong or some kind of traumatic event happens, something startles the person. Most people, once they get the macro level, right, you keep Shabbos. People keep Shabbos. I very rarely, when people are becoming observant, I hear people ask me questions about Shabbos. Very rarely do I hear an observant person accepting halacha, which is good. You can't keep Shabbos without knowing halacha, without knowing Jewish law. But how do I, should I see the mirrors? Should I do this? How do I do Shabbos better? Most people who are, who are Sabbath observant Jews are satisfied with their Sabbath. Great, I keep Shabbos. I have the macro. 
there, there's not, you know, the Chavetz Chaim. Everyone heard of the Chavetz Chaim? Have you ever heard of the Chavetz Chaim? The biggest side that could pass in the fifty years. Chavetz Chaim. We work on Yishabbos. <laughs> he kept Shabbos, by the way. <laughs> he wrote the book. Right? He wrote the Mishnah Bura. He think he knew the laws backwards and forwards. I guarantee you, he knew things in verse. What does it mean he worked on Shabbos? It means that he worked to make his Shabbos richer. Even though he was the Chafetz Chaim. And he wasn't satisfied with the Shabbos. How did the Chafetz Chaim work on Shabbos? Do you think he took huge steps? No, he took small incremental things to make it better. Right? Small incremental things. That's what, because that's how you do it. And that's, most people don't do it. That the Chachma of Binyan HaAdam is the small steps. It's taking small steps, which take us from step to step. Gamma Oilam HaGadol in a Nivna Megushim Anarchium. The way we get to places is not by these great giant steps which we're not necessarily ready for. Ela Ma'atumim Kozeirim She'em B'Koach Ha'ayin L'Hafkas Taking incremental steps, right? Making, taking small things which make it better. For example, if you wanted to work on Shabbos, if you worked on doing 50 things at once, you're not going to do it. But if you say like this, I'm going to work on my Shabbos. How will I work on Shabbos? Candle lighting. I'm going to stay with my candles. And when I'm my candles, I'm, I usually don't say a prayer for Shabbos. I'll make a prayer for Shabbos. Or I'll do something by my candle lighting. I'll be dressed by candle lighting. I'll be wearing my Shabbos clothes, all dressed for Shabbos, by candle lighting. And that's how... And you do that for 40 weeks, 30 weeks. And then, you, you say to yourself, the next week, I'm going to have the, the, 40 weeks later, I'm going to have my table set. Like, it may be applicable for some, an hour and a half before Shabbos. I'm going to have my table set. Shabbos will be my house even earlier. And you do that for 40 weeks. Right? So you're taking things incrementally, right, and getting there to make, transform Shabbos in your house. Right? But imagine, week, I want to improve my Shabbos. Right? So until this week, Literally 18 minutes before Shabbos, you run, you're still wearing your denim skirts, and you know, the house is a mess, right? You're stressed out, you like candles. This week, no, I'm gonna like candles, I'm gonna put on, I'm gonna be dressed, I'm gonna see all those mirrors, okay. I'm gonna learn, I'm gonna learn the whole part of the whole Shabbos, right? I'm gonna tell my kids to not talk about the elections, unless they speak about Mitt Romney. No, no, no. <laughs> so even Mitt Romney, you can't talk about the elections at all. My husband says, one word that's not Torah, he's in big trouble. And my house, ha- we're gonna have Shabbos! I mean, you can imagine the house, you feel like Shabbos. I mean, people, with kids, with that, no one knows what to do with themselves. They'll be scared to walk in the house. It won't be Shabbos. It'll be a terror zone. You're stressed out. It won't be real. But there are people who actually live that way, by the way, that they would never talk about politics on Shabbos. Not because they're not interested, because it's Shabbos. Imagine at your wedding night, you know, someone's getting married. Who are you voting for? Like, imagine at your wedding night, you know, didn't the Oakland A's just sweep the World Series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So Giants, right? Giants. Yeah, I know, I know. Right. So, so, like, would you, would you, even if you like it, would you talk about it? You know, you get into the Yichud room. How about those Giants? Like, you wait, you're how do you forget? What are you out of your minds? You know. So, again, I think most people are not holding that by Shabbos, but there are people who are. And you know how they got there? They live Shabbos. Right? Because to them, Shabbos is a wedding. You know, it, it, It's so important, so holy, so fantastic. It's, it, they're disinterested right now. They may be interested. The person after his wedding is going to be an Oakland A's fan or a Sean's fan. Right? But right now they're not. You know why? Because they're focused on Shabbos. But the way a person's going to get there is not by artificial means. It's by 
you know, working up to whatever level it's gonna it's gonna be, and it's a small deed. The way we build ourselves and whatever we're gonna work on, it's gonna be consistent and it's gonna be small. I even say baby steps, realistic. That's the I would define it as slight tension. When you want to improve or get better, there has to be slight tension, ever so slight. If there's no tension, that means you're not actually exerting yourself. If it's too much, then you're already at the point of snapping, right? There's a theory of elasticity. Right? If you go too far, you snap. Now, even when you're doing this, right, if you're doing it small steps, it's going to become ingrained. You're not going to become arrogant that way. Because you yourself are just building yourself up slowly. Yidiyah um, Zeis. Right? Now, think about everyone at this table. Whatever we want to work on, we all have things. This is how we do it. We're not going to just talk about it. We're going to do it with small steps. Right? If a person is an angry person, they're not going to be calm, cold turkey. A person is a sad person. and They're not going to be happy just going from extreme to extreme. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's not real. Right? You do it little, little things. Little, little things. Right? If you want, you want to look impatient, a drop of patience, a drop of patience, a drop of patience, a drop of patience. That's how you do it. This is a completely different change in how we grow. Right? Now, some people, the elasticity comes very quickly. Like, there are people who can go in certain areas very quickly. That's just a naturally inclined uh, that way. So, I, I'll give an example. Again, people are becoming observant. They can take on certain things, people can take on certain things very, very quickly, and other things very, very slowly. Because they have no tension on, on the thing they, they get quickly. There are people who, for ladies, who become sneeze right away. You know why? Because they're naturally sneeze. It's not hard for them. Like, on the contrary, they're, they're more well-groomed for that. But, right, be, I actually had a lady, she's unbelievable, San Jose, like, literally asked me, literally asked me, like, she was, like, so from, but she had a Yitzhahara to pull dry skin off on Shabbos. Like, it would bother her. So she asked me, I, I think that's like, you know, for most people, if they come observant, like, you know, how hard is that? Like, uh, yeah. For this person, it was hard. Like, it was a struggle. For the, I, 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 I other things people would wish it would be like her. But for this, so, so, you have to work with the person on how, not, well, not do that. Right? You can't pull dry skin off on Shabbos. It's forbidden. Right? But for this person, it was a challenge. So, people react differently. But wherever we are, we have tension points. Yeah? And obviously, any growth is personal. Right? There's no one in this room who's going to have the same uh, difficulties, same tensions, same pressures, same life story. Right? It's all going to be different. So it's be personal for, um, for us. We think, you know, of this great book, this great methodology, this this fantastic, you know, in 40 days you'll become from, you know, manic maniac to happy individual. Like, you know, your marriage can be solved in one day. You know, like, you know piece of cake. You know, all of a sudden you're going to go from this, I mean, that's how people work in this day. Oh, we have this great system that will just make us into the person we want to be. Right, you buy this book, this tape series, this psychologist, this this diet, it all automatically. Right, that's the world we live in. We think, you know, he says uh, even if you talk about peace talks, you have a great organization, they do great things, and there's no focus on the small. Right? On the contrary, if you have small, 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 you work up to the big things. Right? If you have lots of small steps, then actually the big becomes a natural. 
as opposed to the superficial. Right? And it becomes real. Right? If a person wants to work on something, the way you do it is by becoming big. So he actually gives a, a, a muscle right, that he, after, after uh, the Yom Kippur War, he flew to the Egyptian border. The Egyptian border after the Yom Kippur War is by Sinai. They actually were all the way in Sinai. So he said he was on a flight. He was going to speak to the army to give them words of encouragement. So the Israeli plane that was flying near the, the, the Egyptian border, which is by the by 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 the the canal there, so it flew very Israeli plane flew very low. So he asked the plane guy, "Why are you flying so low?" So he said, "He said it's not, never good for a Jewish plane to be within Egyptian radar, right? So we fly low, we, we, we're out of radar." So he, he says, "If you fly low, you take small steps, you're, you're out of the radar of, of rebellion." A person rebels is when they're not ready, right? A person regresses, springs backwards is when they're not ready. But if you take a small step on the level on the level we can, then it becomes real. And by the way, this doesn't only apply to us. If you want to get your your spouses, your children, people to change, the way you do it is not it doesn't work that way. It's not gonna work that way for for most people. And it, it certainly won't work for everyone on every level that way. I mean everyone has levels that you have to go slow. Actually some people can go quickly in certain things. But most people need to take it slow. But if they do it consistently, right? if you have, um, you know, I have a child, I can't get to put things away. So if I tell them, put everything away. No, so I remind them once they only put this away. They do that for the next 25 weeks. And they're not going to do the next thing. So start getting used to doing it. You're not going to get somebody, you know, I hope all the wives here can work on the wives, get their husbands, three million of a day. So let's imagine, no one, no one here, you know, I can't imagine such a thing, their husband comes 10.30 Shabbos day, and that's it, okay, 10.30 Shabbos day, once a week, no one here, chas v'shalom, and a husband does that, right, so now he says, I'm going to change my husband, spouse, shachris, mikha, myrib, seven days a week, how many think you would be successful in that strategy? Anybody, right? And it's very. You know, what's, the funny thing is, we know with our husbands or with our children or with our parents, or we can't do that. With, but with ourselves, we imagine that. We imagine that we can do that. Like it, we know when we have to pushback for somebody else. It's not going to work that way. Now, if you actually want to get your husband to get her set seven days a week, three times a day, I'll tell you how you do it. You guess coming ten thirty, tell him nine thirty. Be back to the Torah. Right? Come by nine thirty. Get to come for nine thirty for twenty straight weeks. Really, get them to 9.30, then you push them to 9. Don't tell I said this, by the way. <laughs> right? This is a strategy. We'll do the strategy. Then you get them to 9. Right? 20, 30 straight weeks. Then you get them to 8.30. He's on time. He's Shabbos morning, 8.30 is on time every time. We'll talk about Andy's class at different time. Every time. <laughs> okay? You got it at 8.30 for, for a year. So now you say, oh, by the way, I want to go to Shalshad, it's Mincha. Get them to Mincha. Hey, work what up. You're not going to get the guy to change by, you know, pushing. You do it incrementally. And then, you know, and by the way, some husbands, they like it, they'll take it on themselves without you asking. They'll say, oh, you know what? I'm going to come for Mincha. I'm going to come for my... Some people will start saying, I'll come every day. I've had people like that here. And then, and that, and that same person, by the way, who can go like that to, min, to Minyan and have his own area where he has to really struggle with because everyone has struggles. Every human being. That's the point of life. But how do we work on our struggles? We do it with incremental steps. Consistent, slight tension, 
but doing it, not just talking about it, not expecting that today I'm impatient, today I'm depressed or negative. Uh, I, I mean, I, I deal, I to protect the negative people. I, 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 just today, I'll tell you honest, I was thinking, I was thinking myself negatively about something. I was like, like in the middle of afterwards, I was like, what, what, why do I think negatively? I can think positively about this. Like, it was like something so irrelevant. But you know, thinking negative is for many people natural. That's like a, that's their mode of operation. What? Hey, you start, you know, you, negative. So how does a negative person become positive? You think they become positive just like that? No way. You're, you're a negative thinker, it doesn't go. So you train yourself on small steps. So everyone's different how they would do that. But my point is, I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. But if you want to get out of negativity, right, you'll start being out a little bit. Every time you'll say, you'll say a positive thought. For every negative, it may not even affect you that much, but you'll do a positive thought. And maybe even be artificial. And then you'll do more and more and more and more until your mind frame starts changing. And it could take years for that person, if that's their, if that's their challenge in life. Right? But that's growth. You know, Ramosha Feinstein, somebody once, you know, slammed a, 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 a door in his finger. And he didn't react. Somebody asked, and he, literally, I mean, most people slam the door in the finger. <laughs> you know, at least they can scream out, they may not scream at the other person, most people scream at the other person, like, you, you, I, you, what's the word, idiot, yeah, you idiot! You know, you, be careful, or they'll be, they'll be holy, be careful, you, you know, you really hurt me. They don't, you know, they don't call it a call name. Or, you know, they'll say, ah, it really hurt, but don't worry about it, you know? <laughs> you know, and they're angry inside. So, her relationship was, somebody asked her, she said, Rebbe, you know, how do you not get angry? How do you not get angry? So, he said, you know, I'm 80 years old, I worked my whole life, he said, when I was younger, I got angry. It took me years. Actually, the author of this book, Rev Leuchter, was a big story in Revolva, said the following story. Said that he was in yeshiva. He's a student of Volba, and he came running through like these type of doors, you know, a push door, and he, it was there's no window, you know, like in the yeshiva, the door was just it was no window, just the door. And he came running through, and he pushed the door open, and he hit it into the revolba, who was about seventy five, slammed in the back. So Revolba's walking in the back. What would most of us do? We would either jump on the guy, say lecture them, be careful. Or turn around, give a dirty look or a surprise. Volvo, he said, did not turn around. He said, this is unbelievable. He said he got slammed in the back like that. He didn't turn around, he just kept walking. He didn't want to embarrass whoever the student was. But how in the world is something called like that? I mean, right? No how? Because he's worked a lifetime of work. He, that was not like that. That was a person who's 70 years old, the author of this book, who's talking about doing deeds in, in incremental fashion. And working on himself till that became his natural, natural uh, reaction. So, so he says that this is the first. Um, this is the first thing. I'm not sure we shouldn't do things which are burden ours. He says everything we'll discuss in the prakma ahead. He says that the, the, the key is to do small deeds which become part of our nature and change ourselves, and that we don't add things that even from things right which are going to burden us or make us not naturally look down on uh, on other uh, on, uh, on, on other people he then recommends that all these vadim you should implement the best way to implement is not to do with small things but to have somebody ideally to work on so this is all context for the weeks ahead actually 
Um, we'll probably do two things at a time. And we'll probably next go introduce one, and then we'll work on it. And really, the goal is going to be taking a large topic. I haven't decided between two things that what to start with. But let's say it would be chesed and saying, how will I apply chesed or anger? How will I apply anger into my life? Not to be angry, obviously. And have it on small levels. And have we'll talk about in the class the intellectual world and applying it. And the goal will be for that week actually applying it in a small way because you know even when I, when I lecture hopefully someone takes a small kernel and applies it to their life because you can't you know that's the, the key of life I think anything small and remembering that life and Jewish life is not about being mediocre Jewish life is not about being static it's about working on itself but even when we make the effort to leave the laws of inertia there's these two cliffs that we have to go between on one hand if we go too quick take two big steps, we become rebel, we have a loss. Or number two, that we can become arrogant, okay? self-important in our own eyes, which is just as bad. Okay, thank you. Okay, question. Yes. So how do we understand the Rambam's rule of, you know, if you go a certain, you, you should go to the other extreme in order to get to the golden medium? You know? This is a very good, important question. So, go to the other extremes. The Rambam's like this. If you, let's say a person is very very stingy, a big stingy, mm-hmm. a big stingy. So how do you get the other way by going to the other extreme? But even in the Rambam, it, it means you can take incremental steps, go a little bit to the other way to uproot it, and then come back. You still can't go immediately to the other extreme. So again, a guy is stingy, right? So you'll give a dollar to everyone you see. Now in real life, people ask me all the time questions of stock. I don't tell them to give to everyone a lot of money, I say, there's a certain rule of stock on. You can say no, you can say yes, you have to be a charitable person. Right? There's all kinds of halachas. But a person who wants to uproot a person himself on, will, will incrementally get himself for a while to an area which is super duper, right? O- overcompensating in order that when they balance out, right, it's how I... Okay, so, sorry, I, I thought we were supposed to think about if something happens, like you get slammed in the back, you sort of think, it didn't come from that guy, it came from Shemaim, what, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, it's, it's, I don't know, it sounds kind of strange not to react. You get slammed in the back, we should think maybe, you know, what is this supposed to teach me? What am I supposed to... Maybe? Well, there could be multiple, listen, that, I was giving an example of a person who's a very <coughs> fine level. In that yeah, particular yeah. case, the point of teaching is... is Revolva, I'm sure, thought it's, uh, it's, it's a patra, but he was more concerned that this student would be humiliated the next time he saw him, right? And he didn't want the student to feel to feel bad. He wasn't worried about himself. His, his thought is a student. And so he was a person whose whole focus was on other people and not on himself. <laughs> Most of us, you know, you hit the back, you think, my back hurts, you know? That's natural, by the way. He's, that's a very, very lofty... Level. I mean, that's a particular case, but you know, mm-hmm. you know, that would be uh, that. Any other questions? The only sure is not authored by Rabbi Walter. It is. Oh, but you said there was another author. I, I misunderstood. No. No. Maybe I was unclear, but he's 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 the author. Yes. Yeah. Ashur is actually from the pasuk by Yosef. It's a, a, above the eye, like you can see above a, a lofty vision. Uh-huh. Right. We're looking for a, this is like a, a, a lofty vision, right? Because again. The, the, the point of, of Musr and of Torah is to have a lofty vision, not to be 
self-complacent but, but to grow. And that's really the point of this uh, series. Okay? Hold here.